Thanks for listening to Looking Forward Our Way. We'd like to ask a favor from you. Would you give us some feedback on our podcast? We've made it really easy to do so. Click on the link in our episode show notes. That link will take you to our podcast Google My Business page. Now, you may have to sign into your Google account. From there, we'd appreciate your feedback on the podcast overall, feedback on a specific episode, or a suggestion on what you would like to see us cover in a future episode. All your feedback is really appreciated. Your comments only help us create episodes that will keep us all looking forward our way. So our vision is better breathing for better lives. And that doesn't just incorporate your medications, but it incorporates, we have this holistic view, like Colette was saying, with your heating and your cooling. And uh, we really look at, when we go to your homes, we look at your homes, we look at how you breathe, how well your windows are sealed, how well your home is cooled or not. Um, And then our mission is to help people breathe easier, one person at a time, through education, detection, care, and treatment. And again, it's not just medication that that you are most concerned with. It's how the person functions in their home as a whole. There have been homes that I've gone into, and I see, um, you know, an elderly woman who is heating her home with a gas stove with the burners going on and the oven open up. And, And then when you refer them the heat department are, are, and the services that they provided or vice versa, you really see it's more of a holistic view than just your medication. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios located in the Brewery District in downtown Columbus. This is Brett and with me as always is Carol. We have a wonderful podcast today in our Healthy Living track. Um, and our, we're hoping that our listeners are ready to hear some great information from our guests today. You know, one of the most frightening symptoms of the during this COVID pandemic was to watch patients not able to breathe. The states scrambled to find respirators or jerry-rig what machinery they could find, but it was terrifying to think that you would not be able to take another breath, something that we do every few seconds normally without even thinking about it. Um, So today, our guests, please welcome from the Breathing Association, Alicia Hopkins, who is a nurse practitioner and director of the Lung Health Services, and Colette Harrell, who is the director of the HEAP and Social Services Programs for the Breathing Association. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah. I'm guessing that uh, quite a few people in our audience probably have not heard of the Breathing, Breathing Association, or maybe don't really know what the Breathing Association does, let's put it that way, and talk about a rich history that we have here in Central Ohio with that organization. Could you give us an overview of how the agency began, uh, which I think was due to another pandemic as well? No, it was a little bit earlier than the pandemic that you're thinking. So uh, Carrie Nelson Black, she started the organization in 1906. And of course, the name has changed over the past century, but it stayed the same. It's so she, what she did is she saw that there was this huge need, and she called it the sick poor, <laughs> and where TB actually killed one in nine persons. And actually, it, it, her sister had died from tuberculosis at age 20. And so we think that that kind of geared her towards this wanting to treat the sick poor. And so she'd gone to Boston, New York, uh, and Chicago just on her own to see how she could help care for the sick poor. And she brought back a nurse with her and started the Breathing Association 
um, which was called at that time the Columbus Tuberculosis Society in okay. 1906. And then it kind of has grown from there. And from her, other organizations have branched off from us. Hmm. But And, you know, we think that tuberculosis is gone, but it's really not. It is not. It is um, not. I remember being exposed to someone, and it was probably in the late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s, mm-hmm. and having to go get tested. So it's still an issue and when folks start questioning what we're doing with today's pandemic, you sit back and you're like, yeah, it's not going anyplace. You know? It's not right. the largest concern in the U.S. anymore. However, there's there was um, about 9,000 cases in the U.S. last year, approximately. Really? So, I mean, it's not this it's not as large as it used to be, but it's still present. It's still it's still it's, an issue that we have to gone. watch. Yeah, it's right. not gone. It's not <laughs> right. gone. It's yeah. still here, just not as rampant as right. it used to be. And I think one of the things that we sometimes forget is that even though the Breathing Association is a health agency, our social services Mm -hmm. department plays a large role in people getting well. And our HEAP program, which is the Home Energy Assistance Program, is the only HEAP medical model in the state of Ohio. And we created that model because we understood what Carrie Nelson Black understood years ago when she took milk and eggs to to the homes of people who were not being able, not only were they ill, they couldn't work. So economically, they became more and more disadvantaged. And so how do we get you well if you don't have income? How do we get you well if you're going home to a cold house, if you're going home to an overheated house? So one of the things or that we like, or empty refrigerator. Right. And so how do we make these things more palatable and how do we look at the parallel between what the clinic does and what we do as the heat medical model, which is providing assistance for people to pay their utilities? Because, again, looking at breathing, if you're too hot or too cold or you have certain diagnosis, they're exacerbated by extreme cold or heat. Right. So we want to make sure that we're there providing those services that keeps them well in the winter and cool in the summer. Well, let's go back to looking at the mission and the and the vision of the Breathing Association. Think about how important. It's not just a breath. Right. It's not. So our vision is better breathing for better lives. And that doesn't just incorporate you know, medications, but it incorporates, we have this holistic view, like Colette was saying, with your heating and your cooling. And uh, we really look at, when we go to your homes, we look at your homes and we look at how you breathe, how well your windows are sealed, how well your home is cooled or not. Um, and then our mission is to help people breathe easier, one person at a time, through education, detection, care, and treatment. And again, it's not just medication right. that, that you are most concerned with. It's how the person functions in their home as a whole. There have been homes that I've gone into, and I see, um, you know, an elderly woman who is heating her home with a gas stove with the burners going on and the oven open up. And and then when you refer them to the heat department and the services that they provided or vice versa, you really see it's more of a holistic view than just your medication. Right. Well, she's absolutely Mm. right. I mean, we, they go into the home, Our case managers go into the home, and many times we become gatekeepers. For some of the elderly and some of the other homes that we go into, we might have been the only person in that home in the last year. And we have have provided linkage to uh, the senior, senior care options. 
We have provided linkages to other nonprofits that provide services in the home, as well as providing what we do. Um, And so it's very, very important. All of our case managers, even though we're doing the home energy assistance program, we're still CPR certified. We're still first aid certified. And we want to make sure that when we get in that home that we're able to assist. We're also able to link them back to our, our clinic or even our mobile health van that is coming in the community that they may be close to. And then they can begin to feel comfortable going to people that they know are there for their better health. Like she said, better breathing for better lives. We try to make sure that that's from the beginning of the walk through our door to when we say job well done. Mm. You're looking much better. You're breathing much better. Sure, exactly. Well, you know, our goal is to provide our audience with needed resources, hopefully make it a couple of clicks away once they hear the episode. Uh, the Breathing Association strives to educate the public on issues affecting our community, such as smoking, air quality, energy needs, diseases like COPD, asthma, and other breathing disorders. I mean, we're talking about breathing here. Uh, can you give us some more details on the agency's educational resources and how um, our listeners can utilize the services? Uh, Alicia, let's start with the lung health services that you manage. So with educating our patients, um, really, I think education is the key. Mm -hmm. So with our patients, so when we see them, we really are educating them on how do you take your medication? When do you take your medication? So when I ask them, how do you take your medication or when do you take it? I I wait for the answer instead of going, you do take your medicine twice a day, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So, but it goes a little bit further than that. So if a person has... Uh, they have a little more trouble understanding their medications or their inhalers. I'll send a respiratory therapist to their home or we'll send um, a medical assistant to their home and just double clarify, double check. And education, we do our best with trying to go out into the community as well. So we are um, we are associated with the Charitable Healthcare Network mm-hmm. And with the National Association of Free Clinics. And so what they do is they help us represent. They represent us and other free clinics in Columbus and Ohio and nationally. And we'll take that to our legislators and we'll help educate our legislators as well so that we can have additional funding so that we can help educate our patients and our our, um, people in the community. So, Colette, uh, we, you've talked to, about heat, but our our listeners may not know what that is. So let's give them sort of an overview of what what does that H-E-A-P stand for <laughs> and, and uh, who uses that program and how they can use it. Absolutely. The Home Energy Assistance Program provides utility assistance to low-income or economically challenged households that are 175% or below of the poverty level. So we work with seniors, veterans, those who are on fixed incomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a lot of people who are getting uh, Social Security supplemental um, income. We have people who are receiving uh, medical benefits. We have people that are receiving uh, living in low-income housing. And then we have some people who are working every day doing all they can to support their families, but not just having enough to make ends meet. There are a lot of working people, husband and wife, in the household 
working hard, but maybe they have four children and they're only making $13, $14 an hour and it's not enough to do what they need to do. When they come to us, we want to assist them in providing that gas bill payment, that electric bill payment. We also have the Winter Crisis Program. That runs from November to March of each year, and we assist people in various ways in that one. First of all, if they have a disconnect notice, if they're shut off, if they're in crisis, Mm -hmm. if they need to transfer so they can move to another household, if they're having fuel fund, maybe they live in a trailer Mm -hmm. and they need propane, we allow them, if they're under 25% of fuel, they can come in and get assistance for that. This year, we actually helped up to $950. Wow. So, and believe it or not, we still have very few, but still have some people getting wood and coal. For heating. For heating. Wow. And so it's our goal not to have anyone, for Alicia went into the household and the person was heating their home for the with their oven. That's our goal for that not to happen, to not have those fire hazards. When it's in the winter and I see the news and there's been a fire in the home, my heart stops and I always hope it wasn't because they were trying to heat their home mm-hmm. and, and didn't know about us, didn't reach out to us, didn't get assistance that we could have given them. And so we do really, really hard, work really hard to provide that service in the winter. We also will help fix the furnace. Because what happens when you have utilities, but the appliances don't work, your furnace is broke, that can run steep for people. So up to $500 will assist in getting your furnace uh, repaired. In the summer, we have the summer crisis program. That summer where I believe winter is economically driven, it's about whether or not you're disconnected, whether or not you're shut off, whether or not you don't have enough propane. In the summer, we are medically driven. In the summer, it's all about making sure that people who have asthma and COPD, all of those things that we take care of and we work with in our clinic, all of those people, we want to make sure that they can breathe in the summer. We can put blankets on, but once you get naked, you can't get any cooler. (laughs) And hey, so I used to tell my staff that because I was always hotter than they. Were. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you. I mean, how do you, how do you get cool? How, right? I mean, I mean, you know, there are many things well, we can do. I mean, I've always uh, been a supporter of the fan program yeah, that Life Care Alliance has yeah. for older yeah. adults. I mean, a twenty-five dollar fan. You don't realize how much that can change somebody's life, and it makes a big, big difference. And we've partnered with them in the past mm-hmm. because we do fans and air conditioners also. Yeah. And so it's, and we also help fix central air units in the summertime. And then we help pay electric bills. So that's a big help for summer because the one thing people want to do, you may cut down your heat in the winter, but in the summer, you will cut your air up. And we've even had neighbors call us to assist with elderly neighbors that they know don't have air. Can you help them? And then we want to be there and do that. And then the last program that we have, or I should say the second to the last program that we have under the HEAT program is our PIP program. And PIP stands for Percentage of Income Payment Plan, kind of a tongue twister, but Percentage of Income Payment Plan. And what PIP does is if you are on 
the AEP or Columbia Gas or Ohio Edison, those are regulated utilities Mm -hmm. under the Public Utilities Commission. And the governor actually signs a, a, a law every October stating that $175, and for your listeners, this is for anybody, whether you come to us and get help or not, the Winter Reconnect order states that $175 can be spent at either AEP or Columbia Gas, or you can split it and give half the 175 to AEP, the other half to Columbia Gas, and keep your utilities on for 30 days if you're in mm-hmm. stress and threat of disconnect. So we have that. And so what PIP does is it works with those people to stabilize the household. You've been in crisis. We help you. What happens next month? Right. What we do is look at your income. And if you're 150% or below the poverty level, you're getting that $800 Social Security check. We only look at 6% of that income to pay your utility bill. So you would pay $48 to AEP and $48 to Columbia Gas for your for your monthly bill, no matter how much your usage is. So if you cut that, you're elderly and with COPD and you cut that air up in the summer and that bill is $150, if your income is $800, you only owe $48 a month. It makes it it makes it doable for people. Right. It 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 places them out or takes them out of survival mode and places them in maintenance. I'm not worried now if I'm going to have gas or electric. Well, you know, in, income has not gone up, but utilities have, rent has, house buying, food mm-hmm. has, everything else has gone up, and there's still a discussion on living wages, and so that's. Um, all of these all of these programs are so helpful, but the issue is how to make sure people know about them. How to make sure people know about them. My, my personal philosophy is that uh, wealth or income or low income or lack of income is not just about money, but it's about the lack of resources. Mm-hmm. There right. are a lot of programs out here that pay, people just don't know about. Right. A lot of um, programs, educational programs that we may not have at our agency, but we know about them. We know how to tell you to go learn how to do computer programming. We can tell you where to go learn the construction trade so you can come out making more money. That may not necessarily be on the radio. Right. Mm-hmm. But that, as as Brett mentioned, what we try to do in this podcast program is not just talk about the issue, but provide resources. Mm-hmm. So as a reminder to all of our listeners today, when you go to our website and this episode's uh, site, then um, our show notes will include all of these resources. So um, take a look right. and utilize those resources. That's why we have them. And mm-hmm. in Central Ohio, we are blessed to have as much as we do have here to help people. All right. Yeah, and then just and just saying that too, Ohio is one of the few states, one of thirteen states that has a program like PIP. Mm-hmm. So we are blessed to be in Ohio right. because a lot of states don't have a program that is income based for your utilities, and so you have actually seen deaths on the news from people who froze to death or overheated because they didn't have a program like the state of Ohio has. So I'm really proud of Ohio for that. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Alicia, I want to go back to that educating 
decision makers and government officials about air quality, environmental factors and such. Can you provide some insight on issues that our decision makers are addressing with your guidance and support right now or the future? Yes. So we work with also our local health department, um, the city, the county, the state, and they are actually phenomenal. They actually listen to our representatives and they listen to those of us who um, don't really have a, a voice and so they actually give us a voice. I feel like Ohio, we're very conscientious. Our legislative um, representatives are very conscientious and, and do listen to our needs. And so I've gotten to know um, just several of them because we have grants that we receive from them. But also, again, um, they represent the clinics and organizations such as ourselves to help buoy up our community and make it healthier and stronger. And so um, I really think that we're really fortunate to have such good representatives that do listen to our needs. And um, if there is a need, they listen. And it's not perfect, but because of that, and like I said, the um, Charitable Health Network, they they represent um, Ohio and other organizations, free clinics, like such as ourselves, and the National Association of Free Clinics, they take it on a national level. So, And then what they do is they'll ask us, where do you need help? What what do you need help with? Do you need help with medications? Do you need help with what do you need help with so that we can notify our legislators? Um, we're actually, they'll say, oh, we're going to have, a, we're going to meet our legislators. So all of the um, free clinics have a representative there so that if they want to ask you can you can tell them about your clinic or your organization so we're very fortunate in ohio to have you know representatives that listen right i mean that's all you can ask for is a pair of ears mm-hmm. yes just listen right well, and, to, I, and, and especially to those that are on the front line this is what's going on we we have yes of course we have skin in the game because we <laughs> want to help these people right and we, we're telling you about the problems because, again, most legislators don't have that access point right. to people that are in need. So they have to rely on right. your, good, your, your good judgment, your insight right. on these are the best practices and these is what, this is what we're asking. And well, Oh, I'm sorry. No, go no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, um, what, we, what I love is I love what I do and I, I wish that I feel like I get to be the benefactor of all their hard work and, and where they – will send their and the our resources too and i i wish that they got to see who we treat uh, mm-hmm. it's so nice mm-hmm. to say our you know our patient when they finally get the right medication and they get what we're telling them and they go oh i don't have to go to the er i haven't been to the er since i've been taking this medication i go oh, oh that's wow. music to my ears yeah. and and uh or they they thank you for the work that you do and it's there's a string of people behind me that are helping us do what we do and right. so it's a very rewarding um position that I have. And I, I, I kind of wish that everyone had the opportunity to see it on my end and they don't get thanked like they should. Well, I was just going to say that we do a really good job of, of beating the, the legislators over the head uh, when we don't agree with them. But from my time working in a nonprofit, they demand a lot of information, mm-hmm. but they are truly behind the nonprofits because they know how critical it is. Uh, they can't do everything. And and if they really utilize the services of uh, and strengthen the services of mm-hmm. the nonprofits, a lot can get done. And I think um, that came to fruition during the COVID funding when nonprofits were able to get money. I was really concerned that, you know, businesses, which definitely needed help, 
um, were going to get uh, funding, but that nonprofits also benefited from that uh, that funding. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You know, they do demand, but they are supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other programs that I think that we have all sort of chuckled with when we see the turkey on Thanksgiving, talk <laughs> about getting, you know, going cold turkey for smoking. Um, and Ohio is, um, oh my gosh, we are so far behind in helping people understand the issues of smoking. I know that there are uh, cessation programs um, at the Breathing Association. Um, it's a kind of a hot topic. I'll bet you our listeners would like to hear how, you know, your thoughts and, and recommendations and services. Well, I am going to turn that over to our <laughs> clinic director, our nurse practitioner. I will say this, that I believe the Breathing Association is the little red engine that could. Yeah. And 16 years ago, when I first came to the Breathing Association, we tackled Smoke Free Columbus. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And we were part of that coalition, and we pushed and pushed and worked and worked with the legislators and people like Dr. Dr. Rob Crane and and other community leaders, and we're able to get it not only in Columbus, but now we're smoke-free Ohio. And I think most of our listeners know how important it is when you go to other states and you sit in a restaurant or you sit somewhere that doesn't have smoke-free, what that really is like. And so I'm proud of our agency and, and our legacy of what we've done here in Ohio and I'm going to turn it over on what we've taken that and build it to. Well, it's um, interesting that you, Carol, that you talk about uh, quit cold turkey. And believe it or not, quitting cold turkey is the, the statistically the least effective way to quit smoking. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sort of not surprised. <laughs> but unfortunately, Ohio is one of the higher ranked, I want to say one of the top five um, when it comes to, there's a couple that beat us, but um, in the amount of people who smoke, but approximately 22% of Ohioans, adult Ohioans smoke, which is pretty high. Mm. Um, And around 480,000 Americans die in the U.S. secondary to smoking. And believe it or not, 41,000 of those uh, men and women who are exposed to secondhand smoke are uh, died due to smoking uh, secondhand wise. And so what we do is we work very hard to educate people to quit smoking. So smoking cessation is one of our um, big components of what we do when we see people. Uh, we also are one of the organizations, one in 20, that are accredited uh, organization that teaches other healthcare professionals, caseworkers, um, community health workers, respiratory therapists, nurses, and we actually help certify other providers and healthcare um, uh, professionals in quitting uh, to teach a tobacco treatment specialist to become certified. It's a 30 uh, C- CEU accredited program, and it's a great organi- a way for us to get it out there to teach other professionals how to educate our community in quitting smoking because it's such a huge problem, especially in Ohio. I, I was working at um, one of the large universities when we became smoke-free, <laughs> and I would sit in a room with our executive committee had seven people and five smoked. Mm. It literally was a blue haze <laughs> through that room. 
<laughs> and I and I I've always told my family, you know, if I if I uh, end up with lung cancer, it's all secondhand smoke. Mm-hmm. And uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. So we so we we try to tell people, and so they'll say, "I'm going to quit tomorrow." I'm like, oh, I don't know, tomorrow. That sounds great. However, let's have a plan. <laughs> and so there's smoking cessation aids out there, but. Just to let everyone know, cold turkey is the least effective. <laughs> Some have done it, which is great. But so, it, if somebody wanted to to create a plan, yeah. So there's workshops that they can participate in. Is that yes? So uh, there's the oh well, one the breathing association. So a lot of times I do consultations over the phone, so you don't even have to see me. We don't even have to come in. So we do consultations. We follow a program. We uh, we come up with a quit plan. It's patient guided. So you tell me and we go from there. But there's also the Ohio quit line where um, unfortunately most of our insurances do not pay for cessation aids like Mm -hmm. nicotine patches, gum, and they're kind of expensive. And so people are always a little bit hesitant to buy patches, even though you say, well, the cost of smoking is $250 approximately. Cost of a patch is $90. And they go, well, I can't afford $90. But the thing is, is that you're not buying $250 worth of cigarettes in a month. You're buying it little by little. So it's hard to get people to understand that, well, if you do here now, save less, more, and mm-hmm. all the health benefits. But the Ohio Quit Line will actually um, send you some patches and or nicotine gum or uh, lozenges for free in the mail. So we work with that and uh, send referrals as well so that you can get cessation aids to get you started. Well, we talked about that we will we will be uh, providing resources to our listeners. And we know where our listeners are, a majority of them in mm-hmm. central Ohio. But we also know we have listeners outside of, of our Columbus area, central Ohio area, outside of Ohio, quite frankly. Um, do you have any resource information that's useful for across the U.S.? Oh, well, I usually tell people – who uh, will call? I, we've had a lot of out-of-state people will call us and say, "Hey, I need this or that," and we we'll go, "Where are you?" Oh, I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> so what we tell them is to look and look up in the website and look up their county and the state that they're in, and there's always be free clinics that will say, you know, look up your county, your state, and free clinics, and you'll always be able to pop up there. And so I tell people prior to just showing up, call them ahead and say, make sure that their services match yours. If you're a pregnant woman and you want to talk to me about GYN issues, I'm not your girl. So I always tell them, make sure that your services match. Make sure that you meet the criteria, guidelines that they have set. So that's usually the best um, choice. And there's a million smoking cessation programs that are out there. So you find one that's tailored to you. But that's where I usually tell people to start. And and I would think, too, that their own physician, their own – if they have a personal doctor, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that there should be some information through that doctor or through that hospital system that the doctor is connected to. If they don't, you might want to find another doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I would think that would be readily available with them. Yeah, would. And and most hospitals have their own uh, free clinics associated with them and their own guidelines. But I always tell them, just give them a call, give them a look so that you – don't get on this wild goose chase and 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 uh, get lost in the mix. All right, Alicia. The um, American Lung Association then does also have some information that could be informational to folks, um, educational materials. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, COPD. So if you have questions about your your uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, your asthma, uh, sleep apnea, those kind of uh, issues, you would go there. 
I'm thinking the American Heart Association also has that information. So those are also good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I like that they will even have uh, interactive uh, they'll even have interactive quizzes for you and 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 uh, information in PDF form so you can print them off and learn Good. from them yourself. Good. Okay. Well, Pretty we fun. will we will again add those to our list of resources. Okay. And uh, Carol, I just want to tell you a little bit uh, the clinic. So we also we are 100% free clinic, so we do not charge any copays. So a lot of seniors who come to see us, they come, they might have a pulmonologist, but I'll see them on the side. Uh, because they don't have to pay a $75 copay, and we can help them with their medications as well. So if someone has no health insurance, we can still get you help with inhalers. Inhalers are so expensive. They're mm-hmm. around $450 to $750, and that's just for one inhaler. So a lot of people go, I don't have health insurance. And they said, I'm glad you're here because you're the reason why we're open. So people like you who are working, don't have health insurance, can't afford it, we can still provide you with uh, inhalers and medical equipment. So we have nebulizers and blood pressures, so blood pressure cuffs. And so we do a, quite a bit of uh, services as well. So, and we have a mobile medical unit that we take out twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays out in the community to um, food pantries, homeless shelters, to Section 8 housing for elderly. So that's where we are, were today, just here in Columbus in front of um, one of, on uh, Rich Street today. So we get out in the community to get to you as much as possible because if you have to take two buses, that's really hard. If you have to walk and you have COPD, it gets tricky. So we try to sure. get in your backyard. Sure. You know, this goes back to our, our previous comment about how much the nonprofits do in our community. Mm-hmm. And tr- trying to tell people, give them information, the problem that we have our folks don't know what they don't know. Right. So our, I guess our message to our listeners is to ask questions. Even if you think, oh, the Breathing Association can't help me. Well, you know, you, they may be able to tell you who can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We will never turn mm-hmm. anyone away. But, you know, so they might know more about the HEAP program because they've got, done it before, and they might not know about the clinic. And so any of the resources, we will move you on and touch base. It's not just the Breathing Association making all these changes. It's also we use all the resources we have available because we're a free clinic and we don't have a lot of money. Right. So we try to connect you to other organizations that will get you to where you need to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a bigger problem than a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Breathing Association, we might take 17,000 applications a year for utility assistance. When we're sitting with that person and they say to us, I'm sharing an inhaler, with two other people. I call that the friends and family program. That's the friends yeah. and family yeah. program. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there stunned. Mm-hmm. And so here we have this medical model for heat. What's our next logical step when we're hearing things like that? And that was to create the clinic and to create the mobile health van. Mm-hmm. Because we set ourselves up as a medical home energy assistance program, and so the medically vulnerable are coming in. And we're hearing 64%. When I did the needs assessment, 64% of the people that we're serving smoke. 50% are obese. Uh, I think it was something like 44% had asthma or someone in the home had asthma. And so then to have the clinic and to have our nurse practitioner go out in the community and meet them 
where their needs are and where they live at and where they play at. Because sometimes they may not live there, but they play there. We're at recreation centers and we're at those nonprofits that they already trust. So we're partnering with that with that agency you already trust. So where they haven't gone to a doctor in 10 years, I'll go to Gladden House because I trust Gladden House. Therefore, I trust the Breathing Association's mm-hmm. mobile van. And so we're at the Gladden House and the Godman Guild and the Urban League. And we're at all of these places because we're able to meet people in their communities. And so you're right. The resources are so necessary. They don't necessarily know about it. But if we can get you a gate open on just one item, we can link you to everything else that you're telling us you have needs for. Right. And, you know, I I think, too, people start, they hear breathing as the issue, think smoking, and immediately say, well, all they have to do is quit. (laughs) And, and, and. Number one, there's a it's a lot more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And number two, there are a lot of breathing issues that have nothing to do no. with a, a behavior that can be changed. That's right. And and that's right. So listeners too, don't forget all of these wonderful nonprofits that we talk about in Central Ohio always need your support too. Mm-hmm. And so think about that. So mm-hmm. great. Right. Um, any other words of wisdom you'd like to provide our listeners today? I say stay vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Thank you. Go to your primary care provider, (laughs) follow up, (laughs) and take your medicine as prescribed. And Amazing how many ills that takes care of. I know. Really, really, Mm -hmm. it does. I I know it sounds like Mm -hmm. it's uh, a beating, you know, a dead horse, but but it's honestly the 100% gospel truth that you, you get vaccinated, follow up. We can help you. Yeah. And and Alicia's a nurse practitioner. Our nurse practitioner, mine, my nurse practitioner, Stacy Kelly, did another podcast with us on telehealth. I'm absolute big fan of all the nurse practitioners <laughs> in Central Ohio, too. So. And I guess my words of wisdom would be to not allow shame or guilt to stop you from seeking help. Very I think for so many of the new unemployed because of covid you don't know where to go or who to talk to. You may be ashamed for the first time you're out of work or you're underemployed for the first time. Call us. You know, we're respectful. We keep your dignity intact. In uh, so do a lot of the other agencies here in Columbus. And I think that we all, and not just Columbus, since your listeners are Central Ohio and so many of the surrounding counties, they want to help. They're there to help. We're here to help. And we understand it's temporary. Right. Right. We understand during, your situation is temporary. During the last recession when all those middle managers lost mm-hmm. their position and we had folks at my agency literally out the door, the one thing I always said to them is, you know, giving up is not an option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you all are really providing everybody the support they need so they, you know, giving up is just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. This has this been great, wonderful. enlightening, oh, and, and hopefully, you know, provide enough energy that someone listening going, yeah, I need to do that. Or my neighbor, <laughs> I need to get my neighbor connected if it's not that person's like, Stop this, using this your mother's uh, That's right. inhaler. Right. That's right. That's right. What did you say? The family or friend program. I own right. the family friend program. Right. I, I get it. Yes. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot for being here with us. And I, I know this is uh Great resources for those that do need it, for sure. Thank Thank you you for having us. Thank you so much.
We want to thank you for following the Looking Forward Our Way podcast. Do you know we also have a newsletter? Our goal with the newsletter is to never waste your time or fill your inbox with email landfill. Each newsletter is quick and easy to read, and it keeps you updated on what we're working on as well as what's coming up in the next episode of the podcast. You'll see some newsletter items come and go, but we will always be respectful of your time and inbox clutter. And we always encourage recycling, so please send the newsletter along to a friend or family member. Sign up by clicking on the link in the show notes or go to our website, lookingforwardourway.com. Thanks again for following and listening to Looking Forward Our Way.